a gang leader who gets captured, a poor rancher trying to make things right, a tale in the old west? All this can only mean one thing. We're comparing 310 to Yuma on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. Reggie Parker. And I'm Dan Bulick. Welcome to another episode of Retro, Retro vs. Remake. remake. <laughs> Welcome to Retro vs. Remake, the series where we discuss films and their remakes. Join us as we ask the question, should this remake exist? Today's films are 310 to Yuma. So let's get started. 310 to Yuma, the original, released in 1957, starring Glenn Ford, Van Heflin, Felicia Farr, Leora Donna, Robert Emhart, and Henry Jones. Directed by Delmer Daves. Screenplay by Hasted Wells. And music by George Dunning. 310 to Yuma, the 2007 remake. Starring Russell Crowe, Christian Bale, Peter Fonda, Gretchen Mole, Ben Foster, Dallas Roberts, Alan Tudyk, Vanessa Shaw, and Logan Lerman. Directed by James Mangold. Screenplay by Michael Brandt and Derek Haas, and Halstead Wells also gets a credit here, uh, and the music by Marco Beltrami. Okay, so the original is based on a short story written in 1953 by Elmore Leonard. Okay, so with that, let's get into uh, what is your first experience with either film, Reggie? Well, the original film I've never seen. I've seen a lot of westerns. This one, just haven't seen it until this podcast. And the 2007 film... I definitely remember pulling out like a blockbuster bin at some point. It was in my DVD collection, so I'm familiar with the remake. That's funny. Uh, I had never seen the original either, and the remake is in my DVD collection also. I don't remember when I bought it. Probably pretty soon after it came out on DVD, but I think I only watched it once. <laughs> so this uh, this was an interesting experience, re-watching that after watching the original. I would tell you how many times I've seen it, but uh, I don't want to tip <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, they are pretty similar films. Some small differences that we'll get into. But first, a synopsis. Lots of things are the same here, so this is so easy for me to write. Dan Evans is a poor rancher. A drought has him and his family in dire straits and desperate for money. When looking for his cattle, Dan and his two sons stumble upon Ben Wade and his band of outlaws. The outlaws are robbing a coach belonging to Mr. Butterfield. During the robbery, one of the outlaws is held at gunpoint by a guard, and he demands for them to put the money back. Ben Wade acts fast and shoots his man, then he shoots the guard. Dan and his sons are spotted. Their horses are taken, but they are left unharmed. Wade and his crew head to the town of Bisbee. There they drink and inform the marshal of the robbery. After the marshal and his crew leave, Wade's crew also disbands, but Wade stays behind. He stays to sleep with the barmaid. Meanwhile, the marshals run into Dan Evans and realize they've been duped. They all decide to go to Bisbee and arrest Wade. Dan enters the bar where Wade is and they talk. Dan demands money from Wade for all the trouble he caused him that day. While this is happening, the marshals surround Wade and arrest him. Wade's right-hand man, Charlie Prince, sees this and goes to get the rest of the gang. The marshal, Mr. Butterfield, and Dan decide on what to do with Wade. 
get him to contention, and put him on the 310 train to Yuma, and Dan will be paid $200 for his help. First, they need to lose Charlie, so they, so they do a swap at the Evans Ranch to throw Prince off their trail. Wade has dinner with Evans, his wife, Alice, and his two boys. Alice says Dan doesn't have to do this, but he desperately needs the money. Eventually, Dan gets Wade to contention. There, they wait at a hotel for the train to arrive. By now, Charlie and the gang realize they've been duped and look for Wade in contention as well. While in the room together, Wade tries to bribe Dan to let him go, but he refuses. Butterfield hires some local marshals to get Wade to the train station. When Wade's gang shows up, the marshals leave and only Dan is left. Butterfield tells Dan he can quit too and still get paid, but Dan refuses. 3 o'clock arrives and Dan has to take Wade to the train. Wade's gang desperately tries to kill Dan, but Dan is ultimately able to get Wade to the train in both movies and their respective ways. Okay, very similar films. A lot of the characters' names are the same. And since they're so similar, I think the first place to start would be our characters. I think we should start with one of our leads. I think we'll start with our, our villain, our Ben Wade. And he's portrayed by Glenn Ford in the original and Russell Crowe in the remake. Did you have any place you wanted to start with that? I think it's actually a good call to start with this villain because he's actually very much fleshed out. He shares about as much screen time, if not more screen time, than the hero. And there's some subtle differences between the two that we can definitely break down. I'll start with this. The original Ben Wade, uh, played by Glenn Ford, is just something very um, kind of charming about him. That definitely comes across in the screen. I think that Russell Crowe's character has his own charm as well. But I kind of like this <laughs> this guy who just kind of strolled into town. And, you know, he's always so so measured, even when he's doing something completely horrific. And I think that I like that about the character yeah he has a sort of a yeah almost a sense of like ease with his face like just like his facial expressions he's always kind of like grinning yeah like no matter what like he's never worried he's you never see him like if he's angry you can never tell he's always got this kind of calm grin yeah. kind of on his face the whole time like yeah this is i'm ben wade i just do what i want kind of thing and it's uh he's pretty calm for this leader of this gang yeah I would say that Glenn Ford's character keeps his calm much more than Russell Crowe, who's also very calm. But I like how he plays with the tension, uh, Ford, in this portrayal. When you first see him, his gang has the, the jump on Butterfield stagecoach. And, you know, he's very calm, giving out orders. Look, mister, just give us what we want. We'll move on. Let's not make this difficult. Used to doing this. And one of the scenes following that, even when he comes across Evans and his sons, He's just like, hey, mister, no no trouble here. Just uh, give me the horses and we'll move along. When he gets to the bar, and you could cut the attention with a knife. There's a, basically a gang of, like, you know, tw <laughs> 12 guys. And this barmaid is just like, she's by herself. And you can just see how tense the situation is and how dangerous the men are. But uh, Ben has control of his crew, despite how just malicious they can be. It's a nice portrayal of a villain that could have been sort of I've said it in the past, like a mustache twirling, pure evil. He does come mm -hmm. across as likable, and that's probably his greatest strength. Definitely a likable character. It's uh, pretty hard to believe that he's like a bad guy. He's, he easily could have been a good guy if he wasn't robbing people. I mean, he's just he's very charming. Uh, like we said, he's just very calm, and he's doesn't seem to have any like malice or like viciousness to him, as opposed to Russell Crowe's character who um, we get to see kind of <laughs> unleash this this 
this rage and just like, oh yeah, that guy, that guy's pretty evil. I guess it's almost like um, Glenn Ford's uh, Ben Wade. It's almost like it's a little fuzzy. If like, is he really a bad guy? Because you don't really see him do anything too bad. You see him shoot his own guy in the beginning and then shoot the guard, but um, there's no like, he doesn't get like a sense of enjoyment out of it, and he just. Like you said, he was really calm when he had to do that thing and make that decision. Uh, but there are times in the remake when you do see Russell Crowe and he has to be kind of vicious. And uh, that calm, charming guy is completely gone. You're just like, whoa, okay, this guy's this guy's bad. I've got to stay away from him. I'll get more into sort of Russell Crowe's kind of like backstories. We talk about some of the other characters. <clears throat> but there is that ambiguity. Like he does sort of skirt the line like he's... Uh, you know, quoting Bible verses, his, his gun is called God's hand. He has this demeanor about him at times where he does something very similar to Ford's portrayal where he's just, I'm calm, I hate to have to do this to you, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's the Wild West. But then, like you said, when he sees an opportunity, he'll go to insane extremes to get things done, whether it's stabbing the guy to death with a fork <laughs> you know, there's a time where he tries to kill Dan Evans with his bare hands, and you see way more of that in Russell Crowe, and he, he even sort of tells multiple characters throughout it that, look, if I was a nice guy, like, I know you, you might think I'm a nice guy, but if I was a nice guy, you think the, that band of lunatics would be following me? It's, you have to be cutthroat to be Ben Wade, and Russell Crowe exhibits the ruthlessness and why this particular person is so feared across the land. Yeah, and I like how they kind of justified that in the remake. He's like, yeah, I do have to be this evil in order to control these guys because we not only get, like, more Ben Wade um, just being, like, ruthless, but we also see, like, you know, Charlie Prince being a lot more ruthless in the remake, too. So it's like, yeah, why would they listen to this guy if he's just kind of all smiles all the time, right? He has to be able to kind of turn it on and off in a moment's notice, um, which he's able to do. So he's able to have that charm one minute, and then just like <laughs> the next second, just like, whoa, where'd this guy come from? And then he's just back to normal. It's pretty crazy that the portrayal that Russell Crowe does. Yeah, I think it brings us to sort of the main difference in terms of why the gang follows him. My take on the original was that he's just a smart, charming guy. And, you know, these other guys who don't think too far ahead recognize that strength and they follow him because hey he's always getting us out of jams we always have a plan for something whereas russell crowe yes he plans things out and he's charming but he also like they know that he'll kill he even you know gives more of an explanation as why he shoots his own man at the beginning of the film mm-hmm. he says yeah. you know his carelessness got us all in danger so you know there's not many rules he said it there's not many rules in this game but one of them is you can't put us in danger and which kind of doesn't hold true because of how he gets caught. <laughs> but, 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 you know, the rules don't apply to him, and that's why he's been weighed. There you go. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Right. Um, also, just going back to the remake, uh, like, one of his, I think it's Charlie, he says, you know, you forgot what he done for us. So I don't think it's just, like, that he's, like, vicious in this meticulous planner, but, like, I guess he, like, helped them, all of them, in the remake. And I don't get a sense of that in the original. Or they never reference it, at least, yeah. like they do in the remake. Yeah, and there, there's moments throughout the film that we'll certainly talk about where, despite it not being really a smart call for Wade, that he does help basically his captors. Um, that happens a few times in the film. So, you know, there is this, not truly an arc, but there is this sort of uh, internal battle that this bad man is having with, 
exactly how bad of a man is he. He's struggling with that himself. Um, he's definitely really bad. <laughs> he'll definitely, he'll shoot a guy point blank. He'll shoot a guy in the back. He'll stab a guy. You know, he'll do all those things, but he'll, it is that duality of like, Protestants 327 says, and but I also, I'm going to bite your fucking face off. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he also sort of, he sort of has like a code. Mm-hmm. He kind of gets into this at the dinner at Evan's house, but uh, you know, he kind of justifies to Dan at one point. He's like, well, why didn't you kill me when we were sleeping? You could have killed any of us. He's like, well, he took my horse. So he almost has these these reasons that to justify, like you said, uh, why he shot his own crew member because uh, he broke the rules. He didn't follow the rules. He put us in danger. He also talks to uh, another member of the, the posse uh, transporting weight. He's like, you know, this guy killed women and children. And he's like, seems to really detest him for doing mm-hmm. that, right? So as vicious as Wade is, he won't attack, like, I guess the helpless, you know, yeah. like that. Like, he won't unjust, or without justification, especially. Like, well, he took my horse, and uh, that guy is just a piece of shit. So that's why I had to kill him, and that guy put us in danger. So sort of has his own code. Yeah. And I would say that what's different about this crow portrayal is that that code and his logic is actually persuasive and now the original the original ben wade is a persuasive character but russell crowe like clearly is outlining like you said that guy will kill women and children but he did it for the good guys he's constantly negotiating with dan evans where he'll say dude wh- why are you doing this you know like this isn't enough money Every- all these people are going to abandon you there's no upside there is no upside for you to continue on this kind of fool's errand as it were and that is true in the original film as well but the remake because it's a little bit more fleshed out this character it's a much more persuasive argument to me as a viewer where, where i'm like dude the odds are stacked against you and uh, as we get later into the film i would say the odds are are worse for our protagonist in the remake than they are in the original mm-hmm. yeah definitely i definitely do um want to get into a little bit of the barmate conversation because I think in both films, it does lay out sort of who this guy is or like some of his travels. Um, okay. You know, the first note I had for the original film is they were talking to that bartender for quite a bit. I did not catch her name at any point until after he slept with her. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think she, she had a name. But, you know, he, he's a slick guy. He comes in and he talks about, well, it must be lonely out here by itself. Any other <laughs> young men in town? And um, she is smitten in the uh the original and mm-hmm. we get we get a little bit of his his backstory because he remembers her from some blind irishman's bar or something like that it sounded like a brothel mm-hmm. to me i don't know you, like you just see more of that you know green eyes yeah, you're a little skinny your eyes aren't yeah, they're not <laughs> green but it'll do like here's a guy who's kind of just saying all the things that are kind of off about the chick and and he's still gonna you know be able to seduce her and i think that that's part of that charm I just her name is Emmy in the original, and then I don't know why they changed it, but it's Emma in the remake, and she's portrayed by Felicia Farr in the original, and then Vanessa Shaw in the remake. Yeah, the barmaid in the original, at least to me from a lines perspective, I think she had the more memorable line. Like uh, after after they do the deed, she says, "You know, some men you see every day for ten years and never notice; some you see once and they they are with you the rest of your life." And at that point, I had the quote her as just bartender because I didn't know what her name was. <laughs> yeah, that that's the power of that original portrayal, Ben Wade. That that's it. You got you meet this guy once, and hey, he's not that bad. But the reality mm-hmm. is, he he is that bad. Whereas in the remake, I don't know, like I thought they could have done more with the barmaid there, where he basically just draws her like one of 
those French girls. And, <laughs> and he's basically like, oh, we could we could escape to Mexico. And she's like, oh, that's crazy. I'm like, why? Why is that? Why is that crazy? It seems like a decent plan. I really don't have much to say about the remake Barmaid, but I, I thought that using the Barmaid as this introduction to the charm of Wade was a good touch, and it comes back into play later in the film in a way that we'll discuss. Yeah. I mean, they definitely talk a lot more in the original. So I found like that the pace that they kind of moved like seemed kind of natural. I was like, okay. So I, I, did you think that the they had met before in the original? At first, no. No, I, yeah. I just thought that he was just that smooth of a talker, you know, that he just kind of picked up on something. And honestly, the tension, I don't know, like, he, he gave me this sort of juxtaposition from his gang, where, like, the gang comes in and like, you know, we're rough men, and he's like, guys, yeah. where, are your, where are your manners? Right, right, <laughs> you know? Right. I, I felt that maybe that's why her guard was down with him. Whereas in the remake, it didn't seem as natural, like, the hookup. I, I thought that... No. I thought that she was an actual danger. Um, because he's like behind her, he touches mm. her neck and stuff. And I'm like, right, is this guy going to do something bad? Because mm. we know he's capable of that. And it, it's not that. So it felt like a weird way to get into that scene. Where I think the original actually handled it better. Yeah, it moved a lot faster in the remake. So I just assumed that they already knew each other mm-hmm. in the remake. Whereas the original, they might have known each other. But uh, I guess the way Wade approached it they didn't necessarily have to know each other i thought the whole setup with the two of them was just done better overall in the original i i would agree and you know even giving her that line more impactful it shows you again that that this is a man of you know who is impactful in a lot of people's lives in good ways and bad ways um and also like just how ridiculous it is that he's basically being cuffed and she's still like smitten and yeah. just like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, maybe I'll see you sometime, sometime <laughs> soon. And it's like you kind of believe him. It's like, yeah, this guy, he's this guy's fine. What's the problem? <laughs> yeah, you know? um, yeah, it is cute how she kind of follows him like a puppy dog. She's like, well, where are you going now? I gotta go to jail, darling. Yeah, just, um, just jump in my stagecoach. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a lot more charming when it's done in the original as opposed to the remake. I don't even remember if she goes outside uh to follow him at all so it's just her character's done just a little bit better in the original for sure yeah yeah that's one of those things where it's not really a big net change um in terms of what you're saying but i think that you really need that scene in the original to flesh Mm -hmm. out this character because without it there's really not anything that you know about wade you just know he's the the local batman as it were yeah and we're dealing with uh two different movie times here the original just say is like about an hour and a half and the remake is two hours it's just a little over two hours so there is more time to flesh out ben wade and we definitely get a lot more moments with him in the remake that aren't in the original so to your point uh that scene's very important just to see uh again how charming ben wade is and just you know that gray area like am i rooting for this guy or am i not rooting for this guy because at that point you're Still not really sure. It's like, is this my hero? <laughs> I guess it could be my hero, maybe. You're right. In the original film, that is a reasonable question, you know? Like, he doesn't seem that bad. You know, I know you're telling me he's, he's a tough guy. Whereas in the remake, I, I definitely know why Russell Crowe shouldn't be free anymore because of what his gang is doing. What he's doing is displayed is not very good. And uh, they, they just... It doesn't really matter how charming you are. I keep going back to this. Uh, when you stab a guy in his sleep with a fork, you know, 
<laughs> yeah. All the Bible quotes and nice words don't make up for the fact that he's a stone cold killer. Do we? Do you want to pick which one you prefer? Or the portrayals are actually so different. I I guess I like that Russell Crowe is fleshed out, and I think he does a fine job with uh, his performance. I actually still kind of like the original, though. I just sort of like his pace. Is he's the most influential character in the entire film. I would say without him, it's much more boring film. But just this mm-hmm. kind of intrigue of this this guy who, despite everything going sort of seemingly going wrong, he knows that he has the ace in the hole, and his cool demeanor yeah. makes sense throughout the film. Whereas like Russell Crowe does a lot more trying to kind of make breaks for it that you know don't show me the same type of confidence that this original film character has. So it, it's very close. I mean, it's close to a push for me. But my own weird sort of personal taste, I like the original. A little bit more but it's very close yeah i'm kind of in the same boat as you i i thought what russell did was pretty good i like the turn just being able to get ruthless and like a moment's notice but i don't know uh you know watching the remake after watching the original it definitely didn't have as much charm and uh it was just an enjoyable performance to really watch uh glenn ford I don't know, something about his, his whole demeanor, just having that smirk on his face the whole time, just, like, knowing that he has this, he's in control, <laughs> like, the whole time, and he doesn't really have to do anything. Yeah. Like, Russell Crowe had to do things to just sh- kind of prove to us that he's this leader. So, sometimes less is more, I guess, and uh, it just gives it a little bit more edge in the original for me. Yeah, and I'll even say, we'll talk about the scene when we talk about Charlie Prince, but even the way that they find out about essentially the plan to to take Wade to uh, the train to Yuma. In the original film, Ford basically says, no, no, see what I do is I put a guy here, I put a guy there, and you know, eventually someone's going to come get me. It's, it's more yeah. planned out where in the remake, like you said, Russell Crowe has to actively do things to try to escape, and it's just not, like you said, it's not that same level of control. And there's just something about that that, as you mentioned, it's, just, it's a charming fun portrayal and I, I'm glad to have seen it because like I said I'd never seen the film before and yeah. it's like wow I, I like this actor I might check out some more of his stuff because that was pretty cool so uh, a yeah. slight nod to the original yeah just uh, a little trivia here Glenn Ford and the barmaid Felicia Farr they both worked with the director before so that's probably why you enjoy both their performances yeah. so much nice <laughs> alright so that's our main villain so to speak I guess we'll go to our main hero, our Dan Evans character, portrayed by Van Heflin in the original and Christian Bale in the remake. I think where the Ben Wade characters pretty different portrayals, I think these portrayals are a little more, a little closer together, a little bit harder to kind of distinguish one from the other, but I guess Bale just gets the benefit of having a longer runtime, being able to flesh out more of his character's backstory. Yeah, Bale gets a lot more exposition about his backstory. They give him the hitch in his step, which they're able to reference how he kind of came to be the rancher that he is. So that really helps. I think, honestly, when you're talking about both of these characters, really, it's sort of a, I mean, like I said, Christian Bale is more fleshed out, but it's sort of a blank slate character. Really, how you feel about him is how others that interact with him feel about him. Right, yeah. So, So it's nothing that either one of these actors is necessarily doing that's giving you a strong feeling about them either way but like uh i i mean we just have to reference in the remake christian bale's 
family really doesn't like him. <laughs> like, they, they really, like, they're shitting on him from the beginning of the film and, honestly, mm-hmm. throughout 90% of the film. Uh, it's just, you're no good, you're broke, look at everything that's happening. Yeah, I'll never be you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, the inclusion of the teenage son, uh, Will, that we're going to talk about a lot more, but just... The way he looks at his father, and, you know, Christian Bale references, like, the way he looks at him, it, it's not good. It's just, like, he doesn't like no. him. Heffling gets a little bit more leeway from his kids, you know. They actually believe in him, but he's trying to show them that the situation is unwinnable. So, they're like, my dad can shoot whatever they say, a rabbit or something, from 50 yards. Mm-hmm. Like, both kids actually believe in him, whereas in, in the remake... That's that just not the case. And the interaction with the with the wives in both films, again, you kind of get sort of that same thing. I would say the wife in the original film is the one that kind of, like, tips her hand that, eh, you know, this guy's not that great. <laughs> Whereas in the remake, it, she's a little bit more understanding. But I feel like the son is taking kind of, like, the brunt of being, like, this is why Evan sucks. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get too much of uh, the wife kind of putting him down in the original. I'll just uh, talk about the actresses really quick. Cool. So Alice is the name of the wife. She's portrayed by Leora Dana in the original and Gretchen Mole in the remake. Um, I didn't really get a sense that she was kind of like regretting being with him or that she thought he was less of a man or anything. I, I didn't get that much sense at all. You're right. There's not a lot there. She kind of has like this one moment, like an aside, where she says, uh, more or less, should have done something, or like, what'd you guys do? And he's like, well, there was nothing to do. And she's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and, and later on, she references that, like, that line, yeah, it, it's so short, like you said, that I didn't even really write it down, but it's more or less be, being like, well, you know, can't just let stuff like that happen. And he's like, oh, yes, we will, because there's like 12 <laughs> dudes. And I think that mm. that's what the original, um, Evans is really good at just kind of like outlining the stakes in a way that mm-hmm. people actually accept. Uh, whereas Christian Bale, they're asking a lot from him in a way that's kind of unreasonable. But um, mm-hmm. I say all that to say that the wife, at a later point in the film, in, in the original, does say that, look, if I said something that made you think that this was a good idea, my bad, you know? <laughs> you get that moment in the film, and I think that that line in the original film makes sense because why are you doing this? Dan Evans, why are you doing this? <laughs> Whereas the remake, Bale has the advantage of actually explaining why he's doing it. It's like, as insane as his suicide mission is, he's still like, okay, I get it. I get why mm-hmm. you think you need to be the hero this time. Yeah, and uh, I guess I'll just kind of jump on that Christian Bale description. So, yeah, uh, he's getting like uh, shit from his kids, uh, kind of from his wife, and not just that, but like he's also... A lot poorer in the remake he's sort of in debt to this hollander guy mm-hmm. and then the first time we see christian bale is when his barn is getting burned down because he owes money and then he even tries to go into town to like kind of barter with him it's like well can i give you this I and mean, he just gets his ass kicked there so like christian bale's uh dan evans is a lot more pathetic <laughs> than in the original film i th- i never really got the uh the sense that Dan Evans in the original was kind of this big loser, <laughs> like he like you do in the remake for sure. Um, I definitely got the sense that he's poor and pretty desperate 
that's why he's gonna do this run to get Wade to the 310 to Yuma. But I never really saw him as a loser because, like you said, he's he's pretty calm and like very like um, realistic about like, well, what was I supposed to do? I mean, there's nothing I could do. We we would have been in danger. We were outnumbered. Nothing I can do. Matter of fact. So this is what we did. And that, but like if. Christian Bale comes and says that in the remake. I'll be like, "Well, you're spineless. <laughs> you're just you're just weak. You Why couldn't you do anything?" Yeah. Uh. So like, he's getting it left and right in the remake. While Dan Evans is just pretty much like a normal dude, just poor. Yeah. In the original. Well, to your point here, uh, sort of this loser dynamic that they've put on Christian Bale in what seems to be a very unfair way, but uh, you know, it's a motivator. In the original, people actually respect him. Like, yeah, he's fallen on hard times. I think everyone has with the drought and like his game plan is basically like it's not even really like a doubt that he'll get the money if he goes and asks for it like maybe it's going to be tough but seems like he'll be able to get the loan and you know he makes a promise there is like you know things will be better when i come back just six months Mm -hmm. (laughs) for some reason in town they they say that dan evans is the best shot in town so he's got the respect of the town people like hey look we know this guy kicks ass and he's trying to be humble but (laughs) Dan. Yeah, they have to shoot all these guys. And, like, you have a respect for the character in a way that Christian Bale has to really work for it in, in ways that are wildly extreme and, and completely inappropriate, to be honest. Like, it is not fair at all <laughs> what he's going through. And at a certain point, I think the rest of his kind of world picks up on the, wait a minute, wait a minute, we didn't sign up for this. And by that point, you know, he still forges ahead and mm-hmm. sort of earns his respect. Whereas in the original, he already had it. Yeah. That bad. So, I mean, we'll get to it. I think when we talk about the son, it may be more about the wife in the original. But uh, I think Dan Evans in the remake has more of a redemption arc, mm-hmm. I think, than the Dan Evans in the original. Because his wife didn't really shit on him too much in the original. Not like his son did in the remake. Right, right. No, it's, it's a much more extreme uh portrayal like like you said the sons in the original i i took it as just you know youthful ignorance that they thought that they'd be able to like take out this gang of cutthroats and he's just like uh no (laughs) we're gonna get our cattle and we're going to leave it's like oh they took our horses we still have our lives and in the remake they're like pathetic everyone's just like we said it but everyone's just really really shitting around and you know I think yeah. I think Bale does a good job of also coming across as loser. The way he falls down when the guy's like, I, "Your money's no good. Like the railroads are coming. I'll make more money off your land than with you off it." You know, like he is at the end of his rope in a way mm-hmm. that is, like you mentioned, desperation. He truly is desperate. Yeah. Uh, the original, I feel like maybe he could make make do, but uh, yeah. he has to go on this crazy journey to try to get back some sort of uh humanity really yeah i don't want to give our verdicts about the dan evans character yet Mm -hmm. i think we really need to get into the sun in the remake to really fully go go into that so the remake we just have the sun uh more Mm -hmm. as opposed to the original i didn't think they changed his name i think the son's name in the original were matthew and mark and i think in the remake it's mark and this william Mm -hmm. character who we'll get into so in the remake Dan Evans has a son, William, portrayed by Logan Lerman. This is the eldest son who just constantly shits on everything Bale does. He's disobedient, doesn't listen to him. And in addition to that, once Wade kind of comes into the picture, 
he could see that he's like kind of admiring this guy that Dan Evans is trying his best to put in jail. Yeah, there's an element to that. You know, as we talked about sort of Wade's backstory, it, it comes out a little bit later in the film because there is that moment where where William does literally say that he can't be that bad, and and Wade tells him he's like, "Oh no, dude, I'm I'm bad. Like I'm a very bad mm-hmm. guy." And to me, it felt like this sort of tension of like the father not trying to lose his son. I mean, he's already lost his respect in a way, right. but he doesn't want his son to lose respect for common decency. And right. there are kind of parallels to the Wade story in like William's own life that could kind of play out so that William could end up being another Wade. And I think that that mm-hmm. tension is there, you know, because Wade really, his backstory is good guy. He used to read his Bible and say his prayers just like you. And then his daddy died and things happened and, now he's this ruthless killer and the son is i guess at that point in his life where he's becoming a man and the question is what type of man is he going to become and this this little journey lets him play that out a bit yeah evan says to wade at one point like you know he's got a much better head start than you and then wade's like it doesn't really matter at this point you can tell your son wants to be like me so uh yeah there's that struggle (laughs) as well in addition to just like I don't know, just getting some respect yeah. <laughs> from your son. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it's a twofold uh, conflict when it comes to Dan Evans and his son William in the remake. I was worried when I was watching the remake because, like we said, he's not a character mm-hmm. in the original. And, um, you know, the addition of kids right. where they weren't right. is usually, like, bad. Case in point, we were just doing War of the Worlds a couple weeks ago. There was no son we had to worry about. And then we both hated Rob, Robbie. Yeah, Rob, Robbie. We hated him so much. And I was like, oh no, this is going to be one of those kids that comes in, just fights with the dad the whole time. And he's going to hold the whole group back and just going to be like, you know, the weakest link in the whole bunch. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy to say he's not that at all. No. He is a very strong character. He is very helpful. And there's none of that minor squabbling that I was worried about at all. Yeah, I was with you. Like, when he showed up at first, I was like, oh, same thing. I was like, oh, geez, they got the kid now. It's going to be all about you suck. And we're going to we're gonna waste so much time mm-hmm. bickering. And luckily, it doesn't happen. I mean, when he first, you know, comes upon him, because really, William's not supposed to be there. No. To your point, he was told to stay home, but he doesn't respect his father, so why would he listen to him? And luckily, he did sort of show up because the first thing he does is, I can't believe you let this guy <laughs> in shackles get the jump on you. And he's like, um, Christian Bale's like, keep your gun on him. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do it better than you did. Like, <laughs> you suck, man. <laughs> I hate you, Dad. Can't do anything right. <laughs> God. Get back on the ground, Mr. Villain guy. We're going to take, you know, like I say, he's a great, strong character. There's not really even that moment where you would expect him to kind of screw something up or, like, yeah. take it too far. He he pretty much serves his purpose throughout the film, whereas, like, we get more about Bale's backstory. We get more about Russell Crowe's backstory with William being in the mix. He has not only that moment there where he, he makes a save, but... Also, towards the end of the film, he makes a save. And, like, everything he's doing is building out the arc for both sides. And it's actually showing us sort of the common aspects of, uh, of our villain and our hero. And kind of how this, I've said it before, but, like, how this, this character could be either one of them. So what's he going to be? Is he going to be 
on the right side of the law or is he going to be on the bat, uh, wrong side of the law? And there's arguments in this world for both. Like like uh, Wade was saying earlier, the good guys aren't always that great. I mean, really, at the end of the day, what are we talking about? We're talking about some like rich dudes who are basically going to build a railroad and screw up their way of living. And it's like, mm-hmm. you're fighting for these guys? Like, they don't care about you. They're just going to throw money at you and, you know, move on and get richer. And so there's an argument for Wade in this world, as bad as he is. And I like that that gets to play out with William being added to the mix. Yeah, I'm just happy that they didn't have them arguing the whole time. There's no moment where, like, uh, Dan Evans goes to him, like, you have to go back home. You're just not safe here. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, he, he kind of established himself by getting Russell Crowe, like, back, like, arrested again or whatever you want to call it. You know, just being that strong force in the group. And then after that, like, Dan Evans really didn't have to, like, tell him to go home. It's like, all right, he's part of the group. We lost one. <laughs> now we got another one back. Yeah. So uh, they kept him there. They didn't have, like, too many sappy moments either. There was a couple, you know, just, well, a nice subtle moment later in the film where uh, Dan Evans just goes, William. And then William's just like, what? He just gives him the subtle nod. And it's just like, you know what? I like that. Yeah. Nice and subtle. You don't really have to say, I'm so proud of you or anything like that. You know, it's just, just a nice little nod. And, you know, it's very true to character, too, because Dan Evans doesn't seem like he's going to open up like that to his son. No, no. I mean, that that is actually an interesting part of it. Um, the subtlety of this performance and sort of the weight that Dan Evans has been shouldering. His kid's lack of respect comes from a, a lack of understanding of who mm-hmm. he is. And I think that if uh, Evans had something that he could kind of fall back on in his life to show his son that, like, doing the right thing is actually the right thing because honestly doing the right thing isn't getting him anywhere in life really right uh whereas wade does whatever the hell he wants and look at how <laughs> how awesome his life is he's banging barmaids and you know <laughs> he's rich <laughs> like what's the problem you know it's basically this, this argument of where you're going to get your respect from like you said that subtle nod to his son is the closest thing that you're going to get uh to him sort of opening up but if he had opened up maybe before which doesn't seem like really would happen in these times. I think Mm -hmm. that his son would have had a better understanding of who he was and how they got to where they were. Because once his son realized that he did have, quote unquote, true grit. um, (laughs) (laughs) Call back to episode 12. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that they both found a mutual respect for each other. That Taking that character out, you you don't get that. And I honestly think that this movie would suffer without the addition of William. Oh, wholeheartedly agree. I like I said, I was really worried. You bring in a kid, he's gonna argue with the dad. Or I'm just gonna hate every time the two of them interact. That doesn't happen. They they wisely put like all their bickering before we have to transport Wade. Mm-hmm. While we're still kind of at the Evans Ranch, and you just see him's like, one day when you're in my shoes, I'll never be in your shoes. It's like, God damn, you hate your dad. Um, so you know, it was enough to know that this is a very tense relationship. It's, it's it, there's a lot going on there that. I don't know, maybe it'll get resolved on this journey. And uh, to what you were saying before, like, he starts respecting his dad. Like, I think as Dan starts respecting William more, it's uh, that respect is, like, returned. Like, they both start to respect each other in a way. And then that just helps their bond. It's just, like, that tension that whatever they had between them just starts to dissolve because they both, they're both understanding each other a lot more mm-hmm. through this journey. And even, uh, even the villain, Wade, who has really no stake in this man's life or relationship. Honestly, mm-hmm. if the guy dies in the next scene, it really shouldn't matter to him because ultimately 
mm-hmm. that's his escape. But like, there's this understanding that maybe because he didn't have a father himself, that Wade starts, like you were saying, he also starts respecting Evans and learning more about him, and mm-hmm. to his detriment, begins to try to help him. Yeah. Because, and again, it falls back on the William edition. He sees a man and his son, a, a man who's trying to earn the respect of his son, who probably should already have it, but doesn't. And I think it it sort of softens Wade's heart a little bit in a way that yeah. we're not expecting. It. And again, just this little subtle addition of this character and what he does throughout the film mm-hmm. just brings yeah. this entire pack together in a clean way. So it's much better than having your wife show up randomly <laughs> in the town and you know in a bonnet and saying, you don't have to do it. yeah especially since like i said i didn't really get the sense that alice didn't really respect him as a man yeah like you said the kids they they love their dad our dad could shoot you he was the he's the best the people in the town dan you're the best shot in town so i never really got that sense that he needed to sort of prove to his wife that he was a man but sure as hell like dan evans in the remake needed to prove to his son (laughs) that he was so i don't know if you have anything else to say about the original because we don't have that father-son dynamic it's sort of the husband-wife dynamic but it's not really as there really necessary i'd say but it that's what they do in the remake yeah i'll I'll say this that uh you know we often see in our films like kind of like character swaps and things switching around um Mm -hmm. the wife randomly jumping on her horse and carriage and like showing Mm up doesn't really add much to the film um like i said even the one thing that you could take is like in a side or like a slight against him, she's like immediately apologized for it. It's like, if you thought that I was <laughs> trying to say that you, you know, that you weren't a man, I, I am not saying that. And don't do this. Cause they're like, we're good. You know, like, mm-hmm. like you said, there, there isn't that tension with him and the people around him. It's like, everyone likes him. And there's not really a reason to be here other than, mm-hmm. yeah, you need a little bit of money and the droughts making it rough for you. And hard times make hard men, I guess. But, uh, mm-hmm. in the, uh, the remake, that respect is is needed. I mean, like, yeah, he he's more or less like. Uh, there's a, some line at one point where it's like, you know, over the past three years, I've asked God, you know, cut me a, a break, any, <laughs> any any break, you know, and we get a deeper understanding of why he would do this, you know. Yeah. And William, William is a huge part of that, so I'll say that mm-hmm. everything that William does in a remake gives us an actual reason why. Dan mm-hmm. Evans needs to get this man on the 310 to Yuma, mm-hmm. whereas in the original, it's kind of his right. code of honor. You know, if the town drunk gave his life, I can give mine. You know, it, it's a weak motivator. Um, right. You know, I guess other than, yes, he has a good sense of duty. In this remake, it's like, yeah, I got a sense of duty, but like, I, come on, man. Like, just right. let me have this one, you know? Right, right. To the point where the villain's like, let him have this one. <laughs> <laughs> this guy get a fucking break <laughs> no um i want to add something we need to talk about this scene um so you said that the son makes sense for dan williams to kind of do what he did mm-hmm. he, the son also kind of makes sense um for why ben wade kind of turns at the end because like you had mentioned ben wade was going to kill dan evans at one point and then dan evans has this moment of like i'm not really a hero uh turns out this whole war hero thing that he kind of had wasn't really the entire truth it fa- turns out like he was only in one battle and it was like he got wounded while his men were retreating and he got shot by one of his own right. men anyway right. so it's like he's not really a war hero and he's like you try telling your son that and he's like russell crowe's like shit man your worst life's even worse than i realized <laughs> so okay yeah all right so it gives 
Dan Evans, like, the motivation, and then it kind of gives Russell Crowe this motivation to, like, help him out. It's like, yeah, I... Yeah, I'm gonna help you, man. Let, let's get let's get my ass on that train. Yeah. So William is nothing but net positive. Great addition to the remake, and I think he really kind of he's kind of makes the remake. Like, like without him, I don't know if the remake works. He's the glue. He's the glue. Yeah. Because uh, otherwise, you have a sort of generic, nonsensical yeah. trek to a train station, and the train station in the entire journey becomes a metaphor for a father <laughs> a father and son. You know, it's just like, look, sometimes the things that we do for our children, they don't make sense. You know, mm-hmm. but like, it, you need you need that respect for your son. So like you're saying, yeah. it's a net positive. Again, like I was talking about the weight and William getting to point that out. It's just like, this guy, I don't know if he, like if his, I think his son is aware that that's how he got injured and you know, that's feeding into it. I think that like all of this stuff that he's, he's been carrying, which really isn't his fault, but it, to this point that doesn't, hasn't mattered all in his life. He's not on the ranch. Like in the middle of the gunfight, Evan says, "Look, by the way, I'm not stubborn. Like I don't want to live. <laughs> I don't want to live in this ranch with like my youngest son has tuberculosis, man. Like yeah. I lost my foot in the war. <laughs> my wife hates me. <laughs> son hates me. You know I'm poor, and it's just like." In the middle of being murdered, he's just like, come mm. on. <laughs> you know? Well, but, in all fairness, they, they do have a nice little laugh together during that moment. So yeah. it's it's all right. I, I appreciated it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I say all that just to say that, that William gives us the arc. Mm-hmm. And if you take mm-hmm. him out, there's less of an arc. And I think that that is yeah. probably the weakest part of the first film, is that very shallow motivation right. getting into that train station. And it makes a hell of a lot more sense in this remake why despite all of the problems <laughs> like logistically this is a nightmare but all right carry on because the alternative mm-hmm. is you, what you live the rest of your life a coward you know mm. i mean just uh points to the remake overall with dan evans they had the addition of a, of a child's actor usually it's a subtraction but in this case very good addition with william a much stronger uh, arc with those two characters as opposed to Dan Evans and Alice mm-hmm. in the original, which didn't really need. It was just kind of there. But points to the remake. It really does make the remake, yeah. this 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 relationship. I just want to throw out, too, Dan Evans, like, because, like, we said he gets a little more time because it's a longer movie. He has this pretty good line in the remake where he's like, you know, they paid me for my leg $200. They didn't pay me $200, so I'd walk away. They paid me $200 so they could walk away. I was like, man, <laughs> this guy's good. <laughs> and that's why he didn't take any money. And he, he just he wanted to take him to the train, man. So uh, great character. Yeah. Uh, just really great in the remake. I think they even took a little bit off, off it. I think it was like $198 in like yeah. <laughs> 17 cents or something. It was like, geez. Should we round it out to 200 No, I don't want to pay the man any more than we have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like that that's part of it, that... Um, that you can't at this point really buy his dignity. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, that's already in his mind, it's already been sold. Like, when yeah. he took the $200 or what, $190 something dollars, <laughs> and they took too much of his leg, you know, he thought that he was getting some, some deal. And he realized that, no, no, you guys screwed me over. Like, I, I fought your stupid war, I lost my leg, and it's ruined my life. You gave me hush money that obviously didn't last. I'm stuck on this ranch, and, you know, like, not, I'm not doing it again. It's a power, like you said. It's a powerful line. It's a powerful scene. It's like, no, 
screw your money. Like, you know, give it to my son. Give it to my wife because I'm gonna I'm mm-hmm. gonna take this guy and I'm gonna put him on that train. <laughs> <laughs> great, great scene. I mean, like, you take again, you take those little subtle moments out. It's a it's a much worse film, and mm-hmm. I I love it. Evans gets Evans starts to get his um, Evans starts to get his arc and his redemption in those moments, and you know. I don't know. I don't know what you have on your notes, but I think we're kind of starting to lean towards towards the endings. I think. Yeah, that's where I'm thinking we should go from this too. Yeah. Our endings are very, very. different. Very different. We'll start with the original. Mm-hmm. So, like we said, there's no sun, but <laughs> Alice, Alice shows up. Um, so they're all holed up in the the hotel room at, at the uh, contention, mm-hmm. waiting for that train to come. And while they're waiting. Another character we haven't talked about yet, Alex Potter. We'll probably talk about him later. He gets killed. Yeah. He gets hanged. Um, Alice, the wife, shows up. She's trying to convince Dan, like, you can't do this, Dan. Right. I'm sorry if I said anything. Yeah. Uh, he's like, no, a man's got to do what a man's got to do, pretty well, much. What? Like you said, weak motivation. Uh, go ahead. No, I said, uh, I, I don't want to skip over because when they do kill Potter, she uh, has to walk through the hotel. She's like, ooh, goo. <laughs> 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 Oh no! <laughs> uh, I didn't want to. Sorry to uh, derail you, but I wanted to like bring up the random hanging and her just being like, "Ooh, moving on." <laughs> but, <laughs> That's fine. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Anyway, um, so I, I forgot to mention too. Uh, Butterfield hired these guys around town to also kind of help Dan out. But then once uh, Wade's men come, they're like, "Whoa, <laughs> whoa, buddy, uh, we're not, we're not gonna do this." So they bail. It's pretty much just evans and wade at this point butterfield's supposed to get alice home safely i think at this point so uh the two of them start going towards the train station a lot of shooting yeah now there is a moment that's not in the remake that's in are you talking about the the funeral thing and like yeah one of the guys from the funeral like kind of holds up butterfield okay i'll get into that sure um so before all this um there's a moment where Evans and Wade, they're going back and forth. I think he's trying to, at this point, he's trying to bribe Evans to let him go. Mm-hmm. And then Butterfield knocks on the door and to let him in. But it's not just Butterfield. He's actually held at gunpoint. Um, turns out uh, the brother yeah. of the guy driving the stagecoach in the beginning of the movie that got shot by Ben Wade. He's, they just had his funeral procession. They're, he's drunk. He wants revenge on Ben Wade. He kind of wants to kill him right there. Kind of forget how the rest of that plays out. Yeah, so... Again, like we were saying before, the the Bale Evans is a little bit more pathetic throughout. Uh, this Evans just says, "What are you doing?" Punches the guy, knocks him out, <laughs> picks up with a gun. And he's like, "Come on, dude!" Because like in that moment when the gun goes off, because I think Evans stops him from shooting him. When the gun goes off, that alerts the bad guys. It alerts the sort of the gang uh. where they are. So this guy completely screwed up the plan. <laughs> Comes out of nowhere. I get his motivation, whoever he was. Cause I'm not even going to bother with his name because it's not that important. But, nah. you know, he just left his funeral for his brother. His mother is mourning, and he's in a rage and basically blows up the entire plan with his stupidity. And then when, <laughs> when he wakes up, uh, Evans, being a nice guy that he is, he's like, well, they're here now, so what are you going to do? He's like, well, she, she gum, mister. My, <laughs> my mom, she only got but one son, you know. It's like, wait a minute, dude. You were real tough. <laughs> 20 seconds ago, and, and now you're like, well, I, I guess I'm just going to abandon you, Mr. Evans, <laughs> even though this is all my fault. And, it, like, 
another another kind of point to the original where Evans is doing all of the work. Yeah. All of the work, and <laughs> everybody else is screwing up. You, you stab him with a drunk. Uh, his wife shows up and is like, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, some random dude that they didn't introduce us to until he's the last <laughs> 10 minutes of the movie. He shows up and it's like, punch this guy, shoot that guy, fix this problem, fix that problem. And it's like, I wanted to bring that moment up because it's just, it's another kind of like headwind that is unnecessary for the main protagonist. But, you know, he can handle it in a way that mm. uh, we certainly know that our hero in the remake is does not need any more bad bad luck mm-hmm. yeah so after all that like eventually dan has to escort wade to the train station by himself as he's doing this though wade's gang is out there just shooting at them the whole time ultimately they get to the train mm-hmm. but they don't know how to get on the train uh luckily the train runs on time and is there and then as the train's leaving all the smoke kind of gives them a nice cover yeah. And then Wade's kind of like, you just have to trust me. I'm going to jump, Dan. All right, I trust you. <laughs> and then the two of them jumped on the train together. And then, why don't you know it? Alice is there with Mr. Butterfield just waving happily. Wait a minute. One more thing. Oh, it's starting to rain, too. The perfect ending for yep. the original movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about cheese. So, <laughs> Dan Evans, the bringer of rain. I just want to bring that up. Totally. I wrote that in my notes. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this moment, and unfortunately there's not the same arc in the film, where mm-hmm. basically the gang are saying, boss, just duck. We'll shoot him. And he's like, nah, hey, Dan, well, let's make a jump for it. And there's not really <laughs> a reason for it. I've liked, I like pretty much everything about the film until this point, where I get it. It's a 1950s movie, you know, white hats, black hats, and, you know, good guys winning <laughs> just really really strange choice there to have him just kind of jump and then really like you said strange ending of off in the distance hey <laughs> hey he did it he did it a fairly poor ending for what was otherwise a, a decent um mm-hmm. you know iconic kind of film right it doesn't kill the movie for me but it definitely doesn't give me like a, a good feeling at the end even though they're trying to make me have a good feeling about <laughs> that ending. I mean, it's a very kind of typical, very happy ending. I mean, the guy got the guy to the train. His wife is now very proud of him. And it's raining for no reason. Yep. <laughs> so everything is tied up in a nice package from that original. And, you know, 1957. So I wasn't too like, oh, they really did all of it. I was I was okay with it. Yeah. Um, because, because the journey had been pretty good mm-hmm. up to that point. You know, to your point about the journey, this movie <clears throat> actually practices a ton of restraint for a Western. Because you could easily just, you know, horses and shooting, shoot that guy, shoot that guy. And most of the film is kind of two guys negotiating the terms of letting one of them go. And there was a lot of space for that to be really boring. And I think that mm-hmm. mostly um, mostly Ford and his his Wade is what's carrying this film. But like, He's like, eh, why don't you take it? Why don't you take a nap, Dan? <laughs> My gang will be here any minute now, and we can all end this craziness. And like, he he just does such a good job of of being this like this interesting villain. And like, it is even it doesn't make sense, but it is interesting. He's like, eh, come on, let's jump, you know? Like, <laughs> like he, he's kind of the hero. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, kind of, yeah. Like, you know, besides shooting that one guy and, you know, his reputation, which, you know, we don't actually see, there's not much bad about him. Um, no. And everyone, even him, like, they're all on the train smiling. and <laughs> like, like, I don't know how this journey ends for him, but, you know, I don't know. It was it was a cool little it was a cool little flick, and um, I wish the ending was stronger. But you know, I have certainly seen worse endings for uh, for westerns. So, you know, he's not he's not John Wayne on his horse. Going, hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not so fat now, am I? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean it is kind of a cheesy ending, but I kind of understood it. Mm-hmm. Like I think Evans did enough to kind of earn Wade's respect, and Wade couldn't just call off his men. So he's like, all right, let's get on this train so you don't have to die, and I'll break out of Yuma anyway. It's fine. He certainly, he certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got that grin. He's like, right, I'll be fine in Yuma. Yeah. Probably bang a couple barmaids on the way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who, who knows? But like, like you said, yeah, Evans did enough of the work. Um, excuse me, Evans and Wade did enough of the work in the film that they had a rapport. Like, there was a lot of times where Wade tried to outsmart him, and Evans was able to kind of, like, maintain control. Uh, he was able to, maybe he felt in, endeared to him. I didn't really make this connection, but maybe he felt endeared to him because he saved his life from that, the crazy brother, you know? I don't, may, maybe, loose. maybe, yeah, you know, yeah. could have been a factor, but like basically every challenge that he was presented, he overcame. And like you said, maybe that was enough to give him the respect to actually get on the train when he could have easily just said, eh, shoot him and let's move on for our lives. Yeah. That's decent ending. You know, pretty Typical and predictable, but I, for the journey we were on, I was, I was fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it gives you enough plausible, you know, deniability that like, you know, maybe it all works out for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially Ben Wade. He'll be fine. (laughs) You know, there's just something about that charming son of a bitch that I think, (laughs) you know, he'll probably get off at the next stop before they even get to you. (laughs) Yeah. This is a very different ending oh, yeah. that we get in the remake. I'm not even sure where to start with this one. I think where you start is kind of like at that moment where in the original film, like the wife shows up and she's like, you know, move aside. I'm going to do what I have to do. We get to a point where William is basically, man, it gets really crazy, actually. You're right, where to start. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I would say, like, um, when he's kind of shooing William away and he's like, look, your, your mother needs a man at the house. Like, it, it's it, this is not really a winnable situation. It's actually much worse. Uh, it's not just the gang. They actually hire random people in the town to start yeah. shooting at him as well. So it's like 20 men versus Evans. And it's not looking good. And, you know, he doesn't mm-hmm. want that his son to, to have, like, a bad fate. And he's like, look, kid, it, it's not worth it. Go home. Take the money. He, he negotiates more money. For his family than the 200. He's like, a thousand bucks. You heard him say it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, unless you have somewhere else you want to start, I think to me that's where I would kind of pick up no, on the ending. No, that's good. That makes sense. So pretty much uh, Charlie and the crew arrive and they find Ben Wade in the hotel. And then they're kind of talking. He's like, you could say a few words to him, but you don't say much. And then after they talk, uh, Charlie's like, all right, $200 right here, $200 to anybody who shoots any of those men that are holding Ben Wade captive. 
And this is after Butterfield already hired those marshals. So they're like, whoa, whoa, you just say the whole town is going to do this? All right. So they just kind of put their guns down. And they're like, we surrender. Mm -hmm. And then the, everyone's like, you should surrender too, Dan. He's like, oh, I'm not going to. Well, it's a good thing he did it. <laughs> because as soon as those marshals surrender their guns, they just get plowed down by uh, Wade's gang. They didn't, yeah. they didn't last very long. So they should have just stayed and fought. Mm -hmm. uh, that sucks for them. So we're down to just Butterfield, uh, Wade, William, and Evans. And like you said, they kind of uh, Evans goes to his kid like, "You gotta, you gotta go because this is <laughs> this is a pretty bad situation." Butterfield, you're gonna take care of him. You're gonna take care of my family. Yep. All right. Good. Because I gotta go. I'm taking him to the train station. This is how it's gonna go down. Okay. And you know he's like, "Oh, I don't know. I guess so, Dad." And then uh, so they start going to the train station. Um, the whole town is just like everywhere oh <laughs> on the roofs and just like just shooting them from every direction you can think of while they're kind of on their way william kind of makes a break for it kind of knocks out butterfield maybe I'll, I'll say and he's like i'm gonna go help and uh so he goes to kind of chase after his dad and then you know during the whole thing like it's pretty chaotic because they're just these kind of hired guns around town so they start kind of shooting at Wade too right. and this just this pisses off Charlie Moon he's like what the fuck man <laughs> I told you to shoot that one guy and then so he starts shooting just the people yeah. and it's just like there's a lot of people getting shot here uh it's pretty chaotic it's a, and then it's we, a wild scene yeah it's pretty it's pretty intense yeah. good action in the remake mm -hmm. so you know they have these moments Wade and Evans uh, they come to a, kind of come to a head at one point where uh, Wade's just like, I'm done running, man. I'm not going. He's like, you're going. I'm not going. And like we said before, he just starts choking uh, Evans. He's going to kill him right there. And you see him like, oh, he's going to die. And then that's when Evans kind of pleads his case. Like, I'm really pathetic. I'm like more pathetic than you think. Like, here, here's my army story. So but then that's kind of turns Wade. And he's like, all right, we're going to get to that train station. They start going to the train station. Charlie Moon's still just a <laughs> right behind them, yep. just ready to kill Evans. This is where kind of William comes in. He sees this, like, cattle, like, yeah. just, like, fenced in, and he kind of lets them loose. And, that kind of takes Charlie out of the picture for a bit. And kind of, does it give them cover? I think it, it gives them a little bit gives of cover. It cover. Because um, Charlie's basically, like, he's got his hired men, you know, shooting at him with rifles and stuff like that. The train's late because it's Dan Evans. So, of course, the train's late. And yeah. <laughs> Which was a nice uh, nod to the original. Because the original, they were saying, the tra train's running on time today. But the remake, goddamn translate. So, you know, I thought that was a nice little twist on the original. Yeah, it was, it was actually the 315 to Yuma. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, like, no, and, again, another great Williams scene where, look, he's not going to win a shootout with uh, Charlie Moon. That that nope. ain't going to happen. <laughs> no, no. But, hey, he's a cattle guy, and he knows cattle spook easy, so, you know, he lets him out, and Charlie... <laughs> It's kind of comical. He's like, oh, it is a little oh, bit. What the? F <laughs> you know? Hey, he needed the Benny Hill music or something. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to get like, like lightly trampled, not enough to hurt him, but just like, ah, oh, geez, mm -hmm. this is inconvenient. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, William. I also like that there's another opportunity for like the kid being included, for William mm -hmm. to be like captured, and I'm glad that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, as he sort of makes a cover, whereas before it was the smoke, and this time it's the cattle. We're getting there, you know, he's about, he, he gets him on the train as it arrives. Gets him on the train, and he gets him behind the bars, too. Mm -hmm. and, and then, uh, as, uh, as Wade's like, you did it, Dan, you did it, 
Bang, bang. Charlie Charlie Prince ain't out of the picture yet, man. He shoots Dan right in the back. Yep. And then Dan turns around, shoots him again and okay. again. And we just see Dan go down, man. And much to Wade's dismay, because he's freaking out. He's like, no, <laughs> what the hell, man? And then he's like, ah, oh, he's dead. And the train's not moving yet. Fucking Charlie's like, you're welcome, boss, you know, for, for a rancher. You should have a tough son of a bitch to kill. Mm-hmm. And then they give Wade his gun. Turns around. Something's not right. <laughs> Something is not right. And then fucking he turns around really fast, draws his gun. But nope, not faster than Ben Wade. Ben Wade shoots down not only Charlie, but all of the men in his crew. I'm... Before any of them are even able to get one shot off. It's like six guys just yeah. like, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just like, whoa, what the fuck just happened? And then after that, I'm just going to go back on this train and go to Yuma. Yeah. Uh, so Ben gets back on the train. Well, I'll, I'll say this, because uh, he does get back on the train, but that mm-hmm. is after William has kind of like this heart-to-heart with his, his dad. He says, you yeah. did it, Dad. And then he picks up the gun, and he points to that Wade. I think they were trying to show that he, he was thinking about like killing him there, and mm-hmm. he just you know decides against it. I started to interpret it as him trying to like kind of finish the mission, but it just seemed like he was done for it. He was thinking about killing him, and he didn't. And Wade just sort of voluntarily gets on, gets on the train, sits down, hands over his weapons. Yeah, I sort of interpreted it kind of like you said. Like we kind of have two arcs with uh, William. We got to make him respect the dad. And we got to make sure he goes down the right path. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of that crossroads for William. He shoots Wade. He's gonna become Wade. He lets Wade get arrested and go to Yuma. Then he's gonna go down that path that his dad wanted. So yeah. that kind of completes William's arc there by just letting him go down that train. Absolutely. That's how I interpreted it. Absolutely. And I, I enjoy the little, uh, it might be a little too, you know, we talk about cheese a little bit, it might be a little too cheesy, but it makes sense that, uh, as the train's going, uh, Wade whistles and the horse starts following. Yeah. And it's like, all right, so he's going to escape at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Why not? I mean, like I said, it was, I enjoyed the ride. Yeah. It was a good journey. So a little bit of the, the horse following the train, it didn't bother me too much. Yeah. it, It was like. Ah, yeah, he's got another trick up his sleeve. You know, this may not be the end of Wade's story. And for sure, they, the movie allows for it because, you know, although he is our villain and he does some very villainous <clears throat> things throughout the film, by the end, like you say, he's he's mad that they shot um, Evans. You know, he's like, ah, man, mm-hmm. the guy had it, dude. Like, <laughs> you didn't hear his war story. He's really pathetic. Yeah. I really wanted to help him. And it's like one of those things where uh, it's kind of like that ending sort of shows what the original did really well, which is that Wade was not bothered at all about his situation at really any point throughout the film. He was just like, eh, yeah, I'm captured for now, but I won't be at some point, so I'll take a nap. Whereas I hear, you know, with the horse being there, you kind of show that, that, like, he always had a plan up his sleeve, and, like, it was really a symbolic victory, because even though mm-hmm. Christian Bale gets him on a train, it's for, like, two seconds, really, and... He's gunned down, but like the symbolic victory is there. Wade always knew that he was going to be able to escape in some capacity, so he's kind of just like trying to let the good guy have one. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, it gives him that arc of, all right, you know, he's not all bad in a way that, um, in a way that I think actually really helps the movie a lot. Yeah. What'd you think about uh, Wade's reaction there at the end, though, to kill all his crew? That that's what kind of when I first time I watched it, it was just like, why would he do that? They were kind of doing what you think they would do. They would try to, you know, bust him out, make sure he doesn't go to jail. 
and then the reward is just to be gunned down by that. You know, it doesn't, it didn't sit right with me the first time, but I mean, I understand why they did it in the remake because yeah. if they're alive, that train's not. That's not going. That train's right, not going right. anywhere, and everybody's gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so they have to be eliminated somehow. Otherwise, it, all hell's gonna break loose. It kind of yeah. They kind of, in a way, kind of wrote themselves into a corner, because yeah, Evans killing Evans is you know obviously a remake addition, and if you're gonna kill Evans, you also need a way for that to admit something, and mm-hmm. yeah, for him to just kind of write off his crew is like you know son. Uh, your daddy was a good man. Like I think that that wasn't necessarily the right way to go. So I don't know. Like you, you would then have this problem of William trying to get revenge for his father's death at some point. So I think to have Wade just say, you know, that was a good man, didn't deserve to get gunned down. I, I'll just put that in his weird morality. <laughs> like to be honest, both films don't do a lot of good work making you understand why any of it is happening so mm. I, i'll allow for the killing it, it's not great but you know what else are you going to do there I, i'm struggling yeah. to find an alternative yeah i couldn't think of any other better way to really end that because it's like well if they're going to kill dan you kind of want to see him get revenge and you don't want to see the kid do it so yeah. kind of wade does it but then why does wade do it it was just a little gray for me but you know like i said it was a pretty good journey up to that point so, you know, if he's going to do it because, you know, I realized this was a decent guy and you guys shouldn't have done that. So bang, 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 bang. Yeah. I was like, okay, why not? Yeah, I mean, it is weird. I guess we didn't really get a chance to, uh, to talk a lot about Charlie, but, like, Charlie's, Charlie's a bad guy and they really want you to see that throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Unlike in the other film where, where Wade basically has, like, scouts throughout towns where they may take him, Charlie's, like, actually trying to figure out where they took Wade. And, um, I mean, he burns a guy alive. Who, who's like, ah, you know, I'll let you out of this uh, lot coach <laughs> if you tell me where he is. He's like, he's he going to Yuma. He's like, all right, cool. All right, go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's, it's pretty brutal, actually. Um, yeah. So I think maybe the, the director or the screenplay is trying to show you Charlie's not redeemable, but, you know, it still doesn't quite make sense. But, you know, I'll give it to the movie because, like I mentioned, neither film really <sighs> patches up all of the logic so whatever yeah right like yeah ben wade just wanting to get arrested and go to yuma isn't quite solid and yeah kind of the original so all right but i guess overall i think the remakes ending for me just resonated a little bit more i think you know just having the better arc definitely helps yeah just seeing it to completion and you know sad ending <laughs> it sucked i forgot he got he died yeah. in the remake and i was kind of pissed i was like damn it <laughs> he lived in the original when he do it but um yeah it's a great action sequence too mm-hmm. um in the remake for sure so yeah i'll give the nod to the remake for how they handled things and wrapped it up yeah it was a much more interesting shootout there was a lot more tension you also have the advantage of charlie just kind of like lurking throughout the scene mm-hmm. and like you know, they're closing in on him. So it, it's a much better action sequence. Gives Evans a little bit more to do as well. Like, there's these little moments where he got shot in the foot, but, hey, it's the foot that he's not. Yeah, it's yeah. His, That's true. It's his uh, amputated foot, you know? so The uh, one luck, one lucky straw he gets yeah. in the whole fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, to be honest, it does make sense that he's not coming back from this 
journey, you know, and mm -hmm. that's yeah. why he negotiated more money for his family because he knows that. He knows that there. How the hell is this going to work? You know. Yeah, the odds are realistically so against him. So for one man to kind of rise up against an army of like let's say thirty people and just not get killed, it's it's pretty unrealistic, and that's definitely not the movie we've been sold right. the whole time. Right. And and I think that uh, that it worked. You know, it works. Like he got him yeah. on the train. Sure, it was a mm -hmm. short, not you. Know, excuse me. It was a short, not well-lived victory, but it was a victory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He got it. His, his son got to see his father, you know, be someone, be a man, as it were. Uh, not to get all toxic masculine about it, but, you know, it's a Western. <laughs> it's a Western. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, he's a tough guy. My dad did it. And, you know, we'll get to see that story sort of played out um, for him. Like, when he tells stories about his dad, my dad took in Wade to uh, the 310 yeah. to you. Like, exactly. When nobody else would, when everybody else walked away, my dad said, no, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And then, he, yeah, he could take that with him the rest of his life to tell his kids, his grandchildren. You yeah. Know. We, uh, we didn't really talk about it much, but uh, for some reason, Wade um, draws in this film. Like, he draws things. And yeah. William picks up this, this book. And it kind of spurred him to actually go out and fight for his dad. But he picks up this book of his, uh, it's a Bible, that Wade had drawn in, and it's a picture of his dad, like, guarding this prisoner and stuff like that, and it's like, that's something that he'll be able to keep with him, you know, as well, yeah. so, you know, this wasn't, was it a foolish thing to do? Absolutely. But, you know, it's inspiring. Sometimes things that right. inspire us aren't logical, and I think, uh, I, I enjoyed the arc. Uh, sucked that he died, like, yeah. You know, even like you said, even the villain is mad about it. So <laughs> I don't know. It it was a good ending. It was a good ending besides the weird shooting part, but I don't I don't know what else you do there. Yeah. No. Uh, it was it was good. Uh I really enjoyed it. And, and, um and I mean, if you're going to make uh Wade as charming as you did, like keep that guy away from your wife, am I right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, if you're going to make him as charming as you did, you know, some people do want to see that guy kind of <clears throat> make an escape so leaving that open ended uh i'm sure it gives sort of everybody that's watching this a little something to root mm. for yeah i don't think anybody watching it didn't think uh ben wade would be able to get out of yuma i don't think anybody thought this is the end of ben wade i don't think especially since he walked in himself yeah. pretty much after he was already freed by his crew so you know he's just kind of all right fuck this crew i'll just break out and start a new crew i'll do it the ben wade way uh, so, yeah, nobody's worried about him. I mean, honestly, you probably just bribe the guy on the train to be like, hey, you yeah. You know, I'm Ben Wade, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 200, wow, I was going to pay the other guy 1,000. Thank God you went for 200. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, um, that, those are the main differences. Um, the characters are somewhat different in both films, too. So maybe we can sort of transition there. Sure. We sort of talked about Mr. Butterfield a little bit in both films portrayed by robert emhard in the original and dallas roberts in the remake kind of the the money guy yeah in our films he's the reason dan takes this task this dangerous journey because he's going to pay him the 200 dollars. not really too much different with uh, the characters except that in the original he doesn't really go on the journey with dan you see him in the beginning you see him at the end mm -hmm. but he's with dan the whole time in the remake so i don't know if you had anything you wanted to say about that no i mean 
honestly, even though he's not in the film as much, I think the Butterfield in the original sort of stuck with me a little bit more in the sense that I did believe him a bit when he said that he was going to stick it through. You know, I didn't really have that same belief about this Butterfield. He's just too much of a money man. To be honest, in a lot of ways, he is the villain in the remake. You know, like, because all you're doing is transporting stuff so you get wealthier and you're basically just throwing money at people for them to kill themselves so that you can get richer. And it just, uh, I, I didn't feel like the Butterfield in the remake has as much honor as the Butterfield in the original. And that Butterfield ultimately does kind of quit but like it's yeah. understandable you know <laughs> how much we really going to expect from him but um yeah i don't know about you but for me even with less screen time i like that butterfield a little bit more interesting he doesn't abandon dan in the original right he evans keeps referencing he's gonna leave you but he never flat out says like i'm done like he does in the remake right no i, never, I, th- I, I think the, i think that. they kind of just like evans is just basically like no no don't worry about it. like i i got a plan like watch my wife more or less you know um so he's still kind of with him throughout it which is why i guess we see him at the end so mm-hmm. butterfield for some reason is more important because he is in the ending you know like in the, <laughs> in the original i'm not really sure why but like i said it's just he seemed a little bit more honorable to me so i liked him more i was confused um and kind of in the original because like why are you just sending dan this uh this drunk guy we're, we're like where were all the marshals like towards the end like why couldn't they get anybody to sort of join them at contention um it just the smaller crew kind of confused me a little bit so i kind of understood like the remake okay they're bringing a few more people like why does this i need two men it's like why can't you get more so that that confused me a little bit but that's a little bit off topic um, I guess if I had to compare Butterfields, I guess I'll go with the one that didn't abandon Dan <laughs> at the end. Um, he doesn't really do anything too different in the remake that I can think of that really makes him stand out. And when it comes to a push like that, I usually just go for the original portrayal. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest, maybe because there are so many more <clears throat> characters in the remake and we're, we're doing more, he's just really forgettable to me. Like, I guess he was there the whole time, but I wasn't really paying attention to anything he was doing. And yeah. The original, maybe it's just because of his look, really, but, like, he stuck with me in terms of... I remember him, uh, and really the only reason I remember Butterfield in the remake is because I made note to remember him because he's in the original. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's an important character because he kind of gets things going, but he doesn't really do much in kind of either film, but I'll push for the original um, in that case. I agree. We could go on to the only other character that's in both movies, really, is or Charlie Moon, um, mm-hmm. Charlie Moon, uh, Charlie Prince. <laughs> we have Richard Jekyll in the original and Ben Foster in the remake. We already kind of talked about Charlie a little bit, the number two guy. Um, I didn't even know his name in the original. <laughs> did they? Did they even say it? Because I, I, I didn't. He might have said Charlie at some point. You know. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I guess the remake does get the benefit of the longer runtime, so we do get a little more time with that Charlie. Um, like you said, he's a lot more brutal. Yeah. He does burn that one guy alive after he says he let him go. Um, we know he's a really good shot because at uh, that stagecoach robbery in the beginning of the movie, he's just taking people down like it's nothing. Yeah. Like he almost seems like a better shot than Ben Wade, but then we do get to see Ben Wade uh, do his thing later. So um, it's a much more just like Ben Wade was more vicious, um, so is 
Charlie Prince in the remake. Like you said, Charlie Prince in the original, he's there, but he's barely distinguishable from anyone else in the crew. You know, I guess yeah. he's a little bit more important because, you know, he's looks out for him. Like, he's literally the lookout, like, basically trying to see where he is. But in the remake, there's just so much more for him to do. He keeps yeah. the crew together when he gets uh, caught, reminds them where their loyalty he, should lie. What he done for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, ben Foster's got a really creepy voice going on yeah. there, too. He was great, by the way. He was great yeah. in this movie. Yeah, um, it's a great portrayal. So, I mean, I, I'm tipping my hand here, but the remake, Charlie, <laughs> is just heads and shoulders above. He, he's a menacing figure. He's, he's a brutal figure. Um, he really elevates the stakes because it shows mm-hmm. you how bad and badass this, this group of men are and what they're capable of. So he, to mm-hmm. me, does feel like we should be worried about this guy. Like, you know, yeah. Wade, Wade's got some morality somewhere in there. Charlie does not seem to. So mm-hmm. uh, perhaps that's why they kind of kill him off at the end as well. But like, uh, just a better character, a great, great portrayal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a great portrayal. Definitely portrayed more as a villain in the sort of the classical sense. Like this guy is just like evil. He's bad. <laughs> um, he doesn't have he doesn't have any of that charm <laughs> that Van Wayne has. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a it's a great portrayal. Uh, pretty uh, like every time he was on the screen, you were just kind of like scared. Like, what's this guy gonna do next? Because he's kind of uh, kind of just does whatever the fuck he wants. Because yeah. uh, he's just he's just really the villain. Um, and he does kill our hero in the end, mm-hmm. so, um, he's a piece of shit, <laughs> and, but he's portrayed great, um, and the original, he doesn't really do much, he's, he's looking for Ben Wade, he's sleeping on the hotel lobby a long time, <laughs> um, like I said, I didn't remember hearing his name, uh, he gets more screen time than the other men in the crew, so he's a little more known yeah. than the other guys to me, but he doesn't really do much. Um, I'm definitely not scared when I see him. Yeah. I'm a little worried, like what's going to happen, but like I'm not like, oh man, this guy's going to kill me. He's going to burn me. Like, uh, so yeah, definitely points to the remake for that Charlie Prince portrayal. Yeah, I mean, just the idea that he recognized that these idiots are shooting at the wrong guy and he'll kill people in town. Yeah, he's smart <laughs> enough to to realize that. Everyone's shooting at him, and he's just kind of getting away. I'm going to go sneak around the back, and I'll catch him a different way. Like, he's just, he's a smart, capable character in the remake. Yeah. And in the original, I think he just has maybe one or two more speaking lines than your average, uh, yeah. you know, goon. I was going to say, he's very smart in the remake, because uh, he's the one that kind of tricks the marshal in the beginning of the movie to leave Brisby, uh, Bisbee. And, uh, you know, he gets kind of cornered. He's like, so where did you say you're coming from? He's like, ah, he comes up with a lie right on the spot. And then Ben Wade's just kind of smiling to himself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, he's very smart, capable, vicious, brutal. He could, you know, be the leader yeah, um, if they chose to. But he has this unbreakable loyalty to Ben Wade, which, you know, <laughs> it's going to come bite him in the ass when he gets shot at the end. Uh, but, yeah, it's just... A great villain and just a great portrayal by yeah. Ben Foster. And he doesn't have a lot of screen time, but he's memorable as hell. Yeah, see, I'm glad you said that because I was, I was going to say I, I almost wish he had more screen time. I wish they did mm-hmm. more with him. But uh, mm-hmm. like I said, the movie with the longer runtime kept things tight. So, I, yeah. you know, even with all the exposition. So I was okay with it, but I, I do 
slightly wish that there was more that they got to do with him because that yeah. would have been well, interesting. Well, sign of good character, leaving you wanting more. Mm-hmm. All right, and then our movies do have characters that are sort of exclusive to each movie. Um, we had kind of mentioned him before. The original, Dan doesn't go alone to transport weight. He goes with the, the town drunk, Alex Potter, portrayed by Henry Jones. So he, he's the drunk, and uh, he's also hired $200. He doesn't really do much. Kind of, Kind of a comic relief. He has some funny moments when the marshals are kind of gathered around. Well, if they're going to think that we go to here, they certainly will. And then they're going to think we go to here. They absolutely will. And then they're going to think we go to contention. They certainly will. Will you let me finish the sentence before we start agreeing with me? I had a good laugh at that part. That was um, funny. I, I thought the uh, the line with the sun was funny. Where he's like, Yeah, yeah. Where he's like, you got a drink around here? Nope. My pa told me you'd ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> that was really yeah. good. Um, so he's got some, you know, comedic moments some levity in a movie that really doesn't have it yeah um but ultimately he doesn't really do anything and then he's just sort of killed yeah that kind of sucks he kind of has an arc because he's a drunk Mm -hmm. and then he kind of doesn't drink anymore but it's not really um to the front uh, that that arc so i don't even know if like he really quit drinking or if he's just like i'm just gonna not drink for two days yeah i wasn't sure about that yeah it's one of those uh, things where, like you say, he doesn't do much. In fact, like a lot of what he does is not helpful to the crew. But like in a way, that sort of quote unquote incompetence is actually his biggest strength because he's actually elevating our hero yeah. by being the drunk. Right. And then at the end, he's the closest thing to motivation in the entire film because yeah, there you go. That's true. You know, because <laughs> if the town drunk can give his life. And so can I. It's like, what was the point of all of this if Potter's dead and uh, this man doesn't go to jail? And look, comic relief in a movie where there's not really that many characters. You got comic relief. He's actually a sidekick that didn't abandon him. He stuck it. Mm-hmm. He stuck it through. Uh, gave up his life and showed that even I guess the worst of us can find it in in us to be the the hero or the best of us as it were so yeah for as little as potter's doing he's doing a lot and, uh, that's true uh, i like the character enough um you know some of the some of the jokes can get a little <laughs> cheesy but overall pretty pretty good character yeah that's true um i forgot that he was kind of the motivation for evidence at the end so yeah uh, he's pr- more important than i remembered <laughs> not a pointless character because his death does mean something it does help our main character he does not die in vain so uh yeah, pretty useful character, I guess, for our main character. <laughs> Not really so much of his own story, C- but just to help Dan Evans do what he needs to do. Correct. He's like I say, it doesn't really help the full big picture story, really, but he's mm-hmm. a motivating factor in that. You know, I don't want to understate that, which it's it's close, man. Like you were saying, like he could just be a pointless another guy who just happened to die, but by making mm-hmm. him making his vice so apparent. It actually elevates him mm-hmm. and the main character by the end. True. So he's our guy going along with Dan Evans in the original. And like I said before, there's a few more people traveling with him in the remake. And maybe we can kind of do a comparison after we do all three of these characters. But our first person traveling with Dan is Byron McElroy, portrayed by Peter Fonda. He's our Pinkerton. Uh, he was, I guess... in charge of guarding the stagecoach in the beginning of the movie he actually gets shot uh 
doing that, but he gets saved. Um, so, uh, and he also kind of has this backstory where he's kind of, yeah, maybe he's not so good because there's that he might have killed Apache women and children that uh, Ben Wade keeps bringing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, he's thrown off a cliff by Ben Wade. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that. No, I mean, you got it. I mean, sort of similar to uh, to the Potter character, what you have here is someone who ultimately isn't very consequential to the film, but gives us a sense of, you know, I always call it universe building, but, uh, you know, it's a Western, and we're seeing shades of gray. It's not all black hats and white hats. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's, you know, this guy might kill women and children, but I guess to him they were, weren't really like the same i don't want to say subhuman that doesn't sound right <laughs> like in, in a sense like he doesn't really respect he sees the uh uh indians as it were as like kind of like savage and you know you do whatever you want with him so wade is is a villain but he's like look man i wouldn't do that <laughs> like i'll do a lot of things so it shows you um it shows you sort of the scales of justice aren't necessarily as apparent and yeah. You know, even though he gets shot and gets thrown off a cliff, you know, the fact that he has somewhat of a backstory kind of elevates the morals of the film. So, you know, I, I yeah. respect him for that aspect. Yeah, I think uh, he kind of gives Ben Wade this line at dinner. I'm not going to quote it verbatim, but it's something like, all men are just in their own eyes or something like that. Yep. Kind of trying to justify, like, this evil stuff he's done and the evil stuff that... Uh, Byron's done like you know it's not so evil to us because uh, we did what we had to do mm-hmm. so he's one of the guys he was saved by Doc Potter another character who travels with our crew portrayed by Ellen Tudyk not really a doctor actually a vet yeah. <laughs> um, I guess kind of there for comic relief again a character I wasn't exactly sure like why he was on the journey they make him go on the journey but he doesn't really do much and he ultimately dies as well, getting shot in the back. Yeah. <laughs> sucks. Which sucks, because, man, again, another role where Alan Tudyk just dies, <laughs> just, like in, just like in Serenity. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just one of those things where uh, you got the joke. You know, you got the vet joke. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's funny. I thought it was funny. It was like, what kind of doctor are you? Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's good to have a patient that can talk back. Um, but after that, you're right. I wouldn't have... I personally wouldn't have wrote him into the journey. I would have just said, hey, he's a vet. He helped out. Thanks, man. And we're moving on. Thanks, Doc. (laughs) Um, Bringing him along didn't do much for the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I said, I guess it sucks that he dies, but did it really ultimately matter? Which is why I I don't think I even would have had him on on the trip. Yeah, he doesn't really do anything. And and his main purpose, I'm assuming, for being there is like if anybody needs any medical attention. But... He never is needed for that. Right. So, sort of a pointless character um, when all is said and done. Uh, but this other character might even be more pointless. Uh, so we have uh, Tucker, played by Kevin Durand. Uh, this is a hired hand. He works for Hollander. Um, he's the one that burned down Evan's barn in the beginning of the movie. Uh, he's the one that sings, uh, They're gonna hang me in the morning. And then he and he's the one who ultimately suffers the fate of getting stabbed many times in the neck uh, with a fork by uh, Ben Wade. Kind of a prick character who mm-hmm. dies a violent death, so you're not really too sad about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
this movie does do a decent amount of this is just kind of like uh, fodder, as it were. Just like here's a guy, uh, we're gonna kill this guy off, but it shows you that um, morality doesn't really matter. We're gonna kill this guy off because it shows you that Wade is is actually vicious, you know. So they're there to tell us things about the character that don't even really necessarily need to be said. Like the original film yeah. just kind of skips it out, right? So. You know. Yeah, I mean, if if you don't have anything that about Tucker, I guess we could just do like which one do you think was better um, between Alex Potter and then the McElroy Potter and Tucker combo. I mean, your point before, I'll I'll start how you said like Potter was kind of that last driving motivation for Evans to kind of go through it. Mm-hmm. It just right there just makes the crew in the original like more significant. Because nothing McElroy, Potter, or Tucker did, even, I mean, kind of their deaths. I think uh, their deaths are referenced a little bit yeah. uh, by Evans, but we know it's not about that. We know it's this is about, like, you got to prove it to your son. And that's, we're following that arc more about, more than um, redemption for these three guys. So I, I'm going to give it to the original Alex Potter there. Yeah, which is... Uh interesting that one guy is able to do the work of three different guys and it's like the depths like you said are important in terms of the action in the film and showing you just how intense this movie can get they're not great characters they don't do much of anything and Mm -hmm. i'll i'll take potter because his death means slightly more than their death like their their deaths just sort of show that wade's a bad guy but we already know that (laughs) you know yeah, the killing of uh, Byron and Tucker by Wade just seemed a little redundant. It's like, okay, he killed Tucker, and we're just going to... I mean, he got the shit beat out of him after that. Mm-hmm. But like, then he kills Byron. Luckily, he escapes, because I'm assuming if he didn't escape at that point, they would shoot him for, you know, this is the second guy on this journey that you've killed. And uh, yeah, we gotta we got to stop this shit, so they probably would have shot him. I don't, I don't know. Well, like, he doesn't escape, though, because that's when the sun holds him up. So, I don't know. It just seems redundant at that point, because yeah. you already killed one guy. It showed us how vicious you are. You're killing another guy. I mean, I get it. Maybe we have, because now we have the sun coming in, so we don't need <laughs> two guys. So, let's get rid of one. We'll just... But, uh, yeah, kind of redundant characters. Uh, done pretty good as one character in the original. Yeah, yeah. I think that if if you can make a plausible argument that one character is on balance with three different characters, that just shows you that, uh, like you said, the word redundant is an appropriate word. You don't need all of them. I mean, you can definitely take the vet out. Definitely. Like, yeah, like, there's no real reason for him to be there except for, like, one joke. I guess to show that one guy is tough because I've been shot before. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but then it doesn't really matter if he's tough because he's going to die soon anyway, so unnecessary characters you probably were better off with just having William somehow slip into the camp at some point um or maybe you know bring it down to just one one guy instead of three yeah one or two you definitely don't need all three yeah yeah slight lean towards the original because like I was saying to be honest if you take Potter out of it there's no real reason why anything (laughs) in that movie has to happen past that point yeah it's true. All right. I mean, that covers all the characters pretty much. I don't really have anything else in my notes. We kind of covered it all. The music? Do, you, <laughs> do we have that theme song? <laughs> 310 to Yuma theme song? Uh, that. You know what? I, I did. Um, I'm glad you brought up the music because I did make a note 
about that theme song when I was watching the original film. And basically, oh yeah, so like one of the lines is, there's a lonely train called the 310 to Yuma. No, it's not. <laughs> that's not the name of the train. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's interesting that, that's the schedule but uh I, <laughs> but i was laughing though because i appreciate what they did there with the song explaining the plot let's just get into it you know this is what's <laughs> happening i said this is a classic move and it's like i'm gonna watch this carriage slowly travel across the west while the song plays out in its entirety <laughs> but at least i know what this what uh what's happening now so the original theme did not need to be in the remake because we flesh out the story <laughs> so you didn't have to sing it yeah i don't really have anything to add about the music um the theme song was a little cheesy but you know it's a western made in the 50s <laughs> as it's expected um we don't have it in the remake i i'm just not sure if i don't, couldn't tell i wasn't really familiar with the melody i wasn't sure if there was like a version of the theme song in the remake i couldn't tell Maybe people who uh, listen to this can let us know if yeah. they kind of orchestrated an instrumental version of the theme song. That's my big question. I'm just curious if they did that. Yeah. Um, if not, fine. Uh, I thought the music in the remake was still pretty good, mm -hmm. um, especially like the emotional scenes, yeah. like between the father and son. I thought um, really captured what was going on there very well. Yeah, I think that the the remake does a good job with just like tone uh, throughout the film. Uh, the closest thing to a memorable song would be the Hang Me in the Morning. Oh, like, I'm glad that's a great song. I'm glad that's included. <laughs> and uh, it's funny that that's like a tune that he picks up. So it's like, here, mister, we're going to get you hung and strung. And it's like, fork, fork, fork. <laughs> you know what? That's not a bad song. He's <laughs> like, why'd I kill him again? Oh, yeah, the horse. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't just kill him. He took my horse. Yeah, so, um, yeah, the... The music isn't a huge factor in either film, but uh, there's enough there that, you know, it's, it's worth mentioning, uh, worth yeah. mentioning that. Like you said, a lot of Westerns did that where the song was describing the plot, mm -hmm. like another movie that, uh, I don't know if there's a remake for it, but at some point we might do like a High Noon. And like the song in High Noon is really important throughout the film. Mm. The song in this film is not that important. It's, it's just... No. <laughs> they play it in the beginning, they play it at the end in the original, and... Uh... You don't hear it at all in the remake. So, mm -hmm. but still, you know, I I wasn't taken out of either movie, no. or really for the music. So, I thought it was fine in both. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. All right. I mean, it looks like we covered everything, Reggie. Unless you got anything to say, it might be time for the verdicts. No, no nothing else for me. So we can get into uh, what we thought. All right. Here it is, Reggie. Should the remake exist? Dan, usually there's a little bit of uncertainty about where we are. I'm not even going to give us that pause or delay this time. The remake absolutely should exist. The original film is a fun movie. I thought that at times uh, could could have been a little boring, but I, you know, we give it the 1950s filter, and the Wade character is so compelling that I thought it was great to have him. Uh, I would say Wade actually isn't as strong in the remake, even though Russell Crowe's doing a good job. Mm -hmm. It just shows you how good the original weight portrayal by Ford is. But everything's fleshed out. The storyline makes a lot more sense. The action's better. The, most of the characters that are, are added actually bring something to the table. This is a good remake. Uh, I didn't, honestly, when I was watching it, I was a little nervous because I remembered like, not liking the movie. Because to your point before, you said you'd only seen it once. Mm -hmm. And 
I had only watched it once, even though it's in my DVD collection. So I was like, I was like, oh, this must be bad. There must be a reason. Yeah. I didn't like this, and uh, maybe just maybe just I got older, or you know, my take taste in films changed a little bit. But uh, I found this to be a very serviceable, well done Western movie, and uh, I think that it picks up a lot of what the original leaves blank. And if you're going to do that in a remake, I think that if you're going to do a remake, you should have some sort of fleshed out thing of your own. And I think they did that well. So I'm this remake should certainly exist. Yeah. Just going to your point of the DVD. Yeah. I remember not liking it when I first watched it. That's why I only watched it once. I remember it got like great reviews. Like I remember reading in Rolling Stone. Like, this is the best Western ever. I'm like Christian Bale and Russell Crowe. You mean Gladiator and Batman in a movie? Hell yeah. I'm going to watch it. I guess my expectations were just so high Probably. that, and I was just like, Oh, that's the movie this is. Oh, so I didn't like it when I first watched it, but Rewatching it for this, hell's yeah, this remake should exist. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind either. Um, I was a little doubtful at first watching it, but uh, as soon as I realized what what the film was about, the father son thing, I was like, wow, that was a brilliant move. Um, it was a brilliant addition, and uh, two things that I usually hate when remakes do: making it longer, number one, half hour longer, and number two, adding a kid. Um, both. This is how you do it people this is how you make a movie longer and how you add a child character because i didn't hate any of that like i was happy that this movie was longer i wanted more like just like you were like oh man can we get more of uh charlie prince i'm like yeah can i get more of the other characters in this movie because it was just so masterfully done like i didn't find myself bored at all like i'm always checking the clock for remakes that are longer but not during this one i was just like so engrossed in the story that father-son dynamic that arc was just so compelling it just brought a whole new level to the original that wasn't there before and i really liked the original yeah i thought it was a really good movie um i watched it with my wife she hates old movies she liked it i couldn't believe it and i was like wow i can't imagine how the remake's gonna top this and wow they found a way they found a way um it just seemed like the same thing in the beginning but once that son the father son arc kicks in it's it goes above and beyond so absolutely should exist totally I like that you said that because at the beginning, I was starting to check out just the same as you at the beginning. I'm like, oh, they're doing a one to one. So mm -hmm. we're just going to do this again. This yeah. Fine. Even the lines were the same. I was like, you're doing the same dialogue too? Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. So. But, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think maybe that is maybe that is it. That at the time, our expectations for what the film would be were different. I mean, maybe if you were looking for something that was like, a constant action-packed Western. Mm -hmm. that, this is not that, but it's better than that because yeah. there's a real, like, good story in the film. Um, you know, it's kind of like what I liked about True Grit is that you took that genre and flipped it a little bit and made it new and interesting. So, well done. Very well done. Yeah, there was no doubt in my mind. I was coming to this just be like, I love this movie. Yeah. This is definitely, I think... I can't say for all of them, but I think this is definitely one of the best, like, original and remakes that we've had to watch uh, as a pairing. I can't yeah. think, especially, like, after the few we just watched, it's like, oh, man, this is some really not good ones. But, like, the original's really good. The remake's even better. Yeah. Do yourself a favor if you haven't seen either and watch at least one of them, if not both. Yeah. I mean, the, clo the closest thing in recent memory would be the fly because the original fly is a decent film but there's it was there's it was okay drawbacks. i mean yeah it was it was like science fish, but, uh, 50s hokey so it was like eh, it wasn't as great like this is a 
really solid original. I mean, for the time it was made, too. And the decision to make it black and white, we didn't even talk about that. That was a really good decision, because a lot of those 50s colors just kind of take you out of it a yeah. little bit, and just, like, kind of just looking at shit, like, man, that just doesn't look right. But this is in black and white, so it might be hard at first to, like, know who's who, who, <laughs> which one's Ben Wade. Yeah. Um, but uh, I thought it was overall a good decision to keep black and white, and it still holds up today, the original. Completely holds up. To your point, let's put a pin in that, because you're right, I cannot think of another combo of films yeah. where both films got this type of praise from us there were definitely moments in the original that could have gone all wrong but like i said that ford portrayal is just so compelling for some reason he's just a charming as hell guy mm -hmm. and you're, you're rooting for the bad guy and in this remake uh what they do well is the bad guy starts rooting for the good guy <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's interesting you know like the movie does this complete flip on us and I'm glad that we watched both same Okay, man. Uh, so, where do we go from there? That was a really good pair of movies. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to pick another film, and I, I, I think we're going to be disappointed. <laughs> so maybe we'll pick a bad one on purpose, so we know we'll be disappointed. So let's see. So recent memory, we've done The Producers. Did this. Conan. Conan, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Uh, Insomnia. Insomnia. Before that, mm -hmm. the fly I think was before that. I mean, we did the producers, but I could see us doing like another type of comedy. Yeah, I was I was thinking comedy as well. What about uh, what was that one the in laws right? The in laws, okay. Uh, we brought that up before, and we never committed to it. So maybe this is the time, Reggie. <laughs> yeah, and it's just one of those films that uh, I know you know we've been talking about kind of quarantine and that we're not necessarily like together for the filming. But, like, this movie, I, I don't feel like we need to both be in the same room to have a, a good discussion about this. I don't want to tip my hand at all when it mm -hmm. comes to the in-laws. Okay. But, um, yeah, we should do it. Okay. Fair enough. So, sounds like we're doing the in-laws. Unless, I don't know if you wanted to do a segue to that other than what we just did. I but we chopped that up properly. Okay. All right. So, the in-laws it is. All right. Excellent. Well... Thanks for listening to this episode of Retro vs. Remake. You know, uh, definitely let us know your thoughts uh, if you'd see either film. If you haven't, we highly recommend watching <laughs> these films. Uh, very good films. Uh, we're on Retro vs. Remake is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you follow us on YouTube, you know, definitely leave a comment and let us know what you thought. If you're on iTunes, if you can give us a five-star review, it would be greatly appreciated. Definitely. Uh, like I said, we've been, we've been monitoring just like the social media and the YouTube. We're getting some great comments. I'm glad that people are enjoying the show because I really enjoy making it. And uh, it's movies like this that make it, make it all worth it, Dan. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And it's going to be a while before we run into some good ones like this. Yeah, but probably. It's all right. <laughs> comes with the territory. All right. Well, I'm Dan Bulick. And I'm Reggie Parker. This has been another episode of Retro vs. Remake.